0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication.
1: And I'm Bailey Merzik, also with the Department of Communication. Today, we're going to talk about an important initiative that is designed to limit the effects that sepsis has on patients in our health system.
0: Now, before we get into that, make it your initiative to go back and get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes debut weekly, Can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel, and as part of the headlines, we can review.
1: All right, let's dive right into our discussion on sepsis, as September is Sepsis Awareness Month. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jesse King and Tammy Garcia, two members of the team raising awareness and improving treatment of sepsis at Michigan Medicine. Dr. King and Tammy, thanks for joining us today.
0: you for having us. Now, first, what is sepsis, and how does it end up affecting somebody?
2: So sepsis is the body's um, exaggerated response to infection, um, exaggerated in such a way that it ends up uh, causing harm uh, rather than actually helping fight the infection. Um, I think of it as you know the the things that occur locally. Um, so for example, if you cut your finger, um, it gets red, it gets hot. Um, you know the what's going on locally is all your blood vessels are dilating and allowing the white blood cells to come in and fight that infection. So sepsis and septic shock are that occurring in the entire body. So um, the entire body uh, is, has dilated blood vessels. Those blood vessels get leaky um, and patients' blood pressures drop and they really don't do well when the body exaggerates their response to the infection. At Michigan Medicine, what does your day-to-day
1: sepsis
3: work look like? Well, you know, at Michigan Medicine, so we started, um, you know, our sepsis team in um, mid-March is when our team fully... Um, formed. There are four of us. We have um, myself, who's the lead, and I'm over the three coordinators and one in children's and women's, which is Sarah Pulley. We have a coordinator, um, Carly Redstone. She's in our adult emergency service. And then we have um, Rosalie Mulcahy and she's in our inpatient area. You know, we've done a lot of work of um, looking at what the past work was. They have done a tremendous amount of work over the last five, six years surrounding sepsis. They've <clears throat> initiated pathways, put things in um, EPIC to alert patients and screen patients. I mean, they build this tremendous amount of da- um, dashboards and databases that we've been trying to understand, you know, what the data says and how we can use that data to help support our team's um, and looking at what the what interventions we need to do better as a team. So we went about um, creating the day in the life of a coordinator, so to speak. Um, so really we um, are doing a lot of creating a patient list so that we can um, look at those patients that are at risk for sepsis or are screening positive for sepsis. And then we're building that into our day to go round on those patients, whether it's physically rounding on the units and checking in with teams or we do a lot of secure chat with um, messaging with our teams as well. We know they're busy and sometimes we can be in the way, especially in the emergency room. Um, so we are doing a lot of like that hands on, um, at the hip feedback um, and working with them to make sure that they, um, one, have we identified the correct patients for sepsis? And two, are we looking at the bundle and where we're we at and um, getting those um, early um interventions in place. Cause we know the sooner we have those interventions in place, you know, the better our patients are going to do. So along with that, you know, we're also, um, running meetings. We have an inpatient meeting. We have a peace meeting. We have a um, maternal sepsis meeting. We have an AES sustainment meeting. We are working on our transition of care. So we're working on those meetings because those are the workforce. Those are the people that we are bringing together, looking at all the work that we need to do, and then um, working on what interventions we can do to improve our outcomes. Um, and then we're also, like I said, looking at data. We're um, creating and providing education for our frontline staff at our provider levels and at the nursing levels. Um, and then we're just working for um, working on creating documentation um, and education flyers for our patients as well and staff.
0: So it's clear that the team is going to be beneficial for sepsis awareness, but I want to take a, talk a little bit about the data that you mentioned. Has the team been formed long enough that you've been able to look at the, the data and seen sepsis trending in a good direction at Michigan Medicine since the formation of the group?
2: The short answer is yes. Uh, Our sepsis team is already making a difference. Um, I think the area where it is the most obvious is in our management of sepsis uh, in the emergency room. Um, When a patient presents with sepsis, there there are several steps that we anticipate um, should be taken in order to treat that patient properly. And we've seen over time, um, that that sepsis bundle, so those those treatment elements, um, are being completed with more reliability. Um, and why is sepsis awareness month so
3: important? Why is this a topic that we need to always talk about? Well, so- Sepsis is the leading cause of death at Michigan Medicine in our adult hospitals, and it affects about 150 um, patients per month in our children's area. So it is of um, high priority for us to reach these patients and treat them and increase their outcomes. So we're using Sepsis Awareness Month as a time to, you know, as I said, we've had five years of work and more going with sepsis, but this is just a time for us to build that awareness, bring, I don't know, a re-engage staff. Re- we're hoping to, you know, get our team out there that we're here. We're here to help. We know a lot of work is done. We're not here to take over that work. We're here to help enhance that work and help provide um, support and knowledge and education to teams.
0: So let's provide some of that education. I know some of our listeners, you know, are working with patients uh, on the floors. Uh, what are some of the key indicators providers should look out for if they suspect a the patient has sepsis? So
2: are you asking how a patient who's septic presents?
0: Yeah. Yep. What are some of those key indicators?
2: Yeah, so so this is actually where the biggest challenge in sepsis lays, uh, because unlike um, a stroke where symptoms are pretty obvious, or um, or hopefully pretty obvious, or or a heart attack where you know the classic chest pain occurs, um, sepsis presents in many, many, many different ways. Um, some patients have fevers. Some patients drop their core temperature, right? So hypothermia, rather than having a fever and being hyperthermic. Um, you know some patients are you know read our textbooks and present with you know what we call tachycardia so high heart rates and they drop their blood pressures um some patients are a little bit more um the word i'm looking for subversive in their presentation (laughs) they sort of not subversive but um they can present with confusion they can present with a new oxygen requirement um and um and unfortunately not or most patients don't present the way that our textbook says they're going to Um, and they can present any way they want to. Um, And unlike a heart attack or stroke where we have really good tests um, that can confirm the diagnosis, with sepsis there's no single test. And so you have to have a pretty high suspicion that your patient is septic um, in order to catch it early. And to go off that, who is most at risk for developing sepsis? So everybody is at risk for sepsis. This can happen to anyone. Um, There are certainly patient populations that are at higher risk for developing sepsis or higher risk of mortality from sepsis. Um, So people at extremes of age, so young children or our elderly population, um, patients with impaired immune systems. um, So either there's something wrong with their immune system innately, or we're giving them medications to suppress their immune system um, to treat another disease. And so without uh, a strong immune system, you um, may not react to the infection until it's, uh, or you may have a delayed reaction and and not react until it's quite severe. Um, Also think about patients with, um, you know, indwelling lines, Foley's hardware, right? So things that normally uh, our bodies don't have, bacteria like to grow on. Um, So there are a number of risk factors, some of which we can control, some of which we can't, um, that makes patients more at risk for having a poor outcome. Um, But the honest answer is anybody. Um, within the right clinical setting can develop uh, severe sepsis and septic
0: shock. Now, outside of watching the wrap in this episode, what are some other ways staff can educate themselves on sepsis? Working
3: really hard as a team to um, look at the education that we do have available at Michigan Medicine and making sure that it's up to date and available to staff. So we have... Um, you know, in our nursing clinical homepage, we have an A to C policies that has a sepsis link that we're working on updating the materials are, that are there. We are doing some, like I said, we're doing that hands-on at the bedside um, education too. Um, we're getting, we're providing um, this information to our team so they can be talking them at their um, UBC meetings, putting information at their DMS huddle boards. And then also, you know, we have the internet, right? We have um, Sepsis Alliance is a great place for people to go. And also we have the Surviving Sepsis Campaign website that offers webinars and a ton of flyers and information. And then we're also working on that patient education that we wanna give to our, that have her staff so that we can be um, letting staff and patients or patients' families know when they go home. We know when patients are di- discharged with sepsis that they have a higher risk of being readmitted and having sepsis, sepsis again.
1: And Tammy, I know you've been working on some stuff. Um, what are some things that we're going to have going on around the organization uh, throughout the month of September? So oh, yeah, we've been working hard, as you know.
3: Um, we working on a headline story, this podcast, like I said, we are really looking at our education and updating that and getting new, I want to say new and improved, maybe just making it um, re-energize for staff, something else that we've seen these Um, you know, our stop sepsis and spot sepsis. And we're just trying to re-energize that, get the information out that way. We're going to do some meeting, meet and greets on the 13th, which is sepsis, um, World Sepsis Day. So um, the coordinators um, and I will be out with carts, and we have um, some swag we're working on getting to staff and then some literature that we're going to be hanging out and then just making ourselves visible on the units. We really want to make um, rounding a priority um, so that they can see us, ask questions of us and know what we're there for and how we can help support them. And then there's also going to be um, DMS um, or safety huddle messages all month long for every week. Um, and then there's going to be some quizzes at the, our quiz at the month where staff can win prizes. So we're just hoping to engage staff and teach them and let them learn at the same time. Also giving them a little incentive to listen to what we have to say and and then know the importance of sepsis and how we can treat it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I really appreciate the two of you coming on here, sharing your knowledge about sepsis and helping everyone spot it and stop it at Michigan Medicine. Now, if you want to learn more about sepsis, you can go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org.
1: Okay, it's time for the lightning round. Uh, when we ask one of our guests four quick fire questions, Dr. King, you lost in a game of musical chairs earlier today. <laughs> So you are in the hot seat. Are you ready to go? Sure.
0: All right. With Labor Day just around the corner, that means fall is on its way. What is your favorite fall activity in Michigan?
2: Oh, that's easy. Uh, I like, so with my kids, we like to go apple picking, right? Who doesn't? Um, but here's the my other secret uh, passion is actually horseback riding. And nothing is better than a trail ride through the woods with the leaves changing.
1: And September is also classical music month. Are you into classical music? And if not, what is your favorite type of music?
2: Oh, I listen to classical music. I wouldn't say I'm passionate about it. Um, usually, you know, uh, if I'm Christmas time, I put on, probably, I run the Baroque station on my Alexa. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: that's great. Uh, if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: Oh, that's hard. Anything with carbs, right?
0: <laughs> so. Sounds like a doctor's answer, right there.
2: Yep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I oh, I that's a hard one. Uh, wood-fired pizza. There we go. Good answer. All right. Looking back on it, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? You guys are these are hard questions. These are not rocket <laughs> fire. I
0: have to like. <laughs>
2: um. I would have to say it's worth it in the end um, to keep going because uh, it's a long haul to get through medical school and I had kids while I was still in school. And um, and so, yeah, it's, in the end, it, it'll be okay.
0: <laughs> so. Thank you so much, Jessie, for letting us get to know you a little bit better. If you want to learn more about sepsis and how you can help improve patient outcomes in Michigan medicine, go to mmheadlines.org
1: And while you're there, you can check out other featured stories from this past week. For instance, there was a closer look at UMaze, a program that offered adaptive and inclusive sports experiences all summer long, and readers learned about the organization's flu vaccination policy with the first clinics beginning this week. Find all that and more at mmheadlines.org. All
0: right, Bailey. Now you mentioned the UMaze story that ran in headlines earlier this week, and as some of our listeners may know, I use a manual wheelchair. So I actually was able to take advantage of some of those programs this summer. I went kayaking, hand cycling, and of course I helped lead some of their wheelchair basketball uh, as I coach the pediatric wheelchair basketball team here, the Roll So I want to know, are there any sports you play or stay active with regularly?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been a basketball player my entire life um, throughout high school. Um, I I ran cross country and track in high school and college, so I'm still a very avid runner. I use it as just a, you know, outlet for stress and it's great. I get up and go for a run pretty much every morning. So yeah, that's probably what I do the most to stay active.
0: Nice. Now I struggle with that, like going for a, I guess it's a wheel, but I have a hard time (laughs) with that. But like, I, I really admire the people who do go for runs because it's, I feel like it's a great way to stay physically healthy and mentally healthy, right? You use it as sort of a way to, to recharge. So I'm, I'm very impressed with that. All right, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. This week's question is, the Rogel Cancer Center recently submitted a grant renewal for which type of support grant? Once again, the Rogel Cancer Center recently submitted grant renewal for which type of support grant? Or you can find that answer in this week's headline story. Once you know it, you can send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize.
1: And that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks again to Dr. King and Tammy for joining us. And thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and
0: each other. We'll see you next week.